well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you've joined the program today. We've got some great news to talk about out of the state of Pennsylvania. I mean, great news if you're a Second Amendment supporter. If you are a gun control activist, you are not happy about what the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court has had to say. We'll get to that uh, in just a moment. But before we do, we do have a a special message for you. Do you miss President Trump? Well, you know, you are not alone. A lot of people do. And I'm coming to you with a very special offer that you do not want to miss. Now is your chance to win one of six signed photos of President Trump. These were hand-signed by President Trump, and soon one could be hanging up in your home. When President Trump signed these photos, he wanted to make sure that all of his supporters had the chance to receive one, and now is your chance. All you have to do is text GUNS to 55404 today for your chance to win a beautiful photo of President Trump, the First Lady Melania Trump, hand-signed by President Trump himself. And when you text GUNS to 55404, you'll get exclusive double entry activation for a limited time. Again, text GUNS to 55404 to have your name entered twice to win a hand-side Trump photo. You don't want to miss this. Contest in soon. Paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. All right, so there's been a case in the state of Pennsylvania that's been going on now for about six years or so. The city of Harrisburg, state capital of PA, passed uh, several local ordinances, uh, local gun control ordinances, including uh, a uh, ban on uh, discharging a uh, a firearm in uh, certain areas of the city. There was a ban on uh, minors possessing firearms. There was a lost or stolen gun ordinance uh, that required gun owners to uh, report thefts of firearms to police or else become criminals themselves. And uh, the group Firearms Owners Against Crime filed suit against the city of Harrisburg shortly after they put these laws in place because Pennsylvania has a firearms preemption law on the books. So localities are not allowed to pass their own local gun control laws. It is up to the state legislature uh, to provide a uniform body of gun laws uh, across the state. So they challenged this law, or these laws, rather, and were originally told, nah, you don't have standing. I mean, after all, uh, none of you have been arrested, charged with violating one of these ordinances. And until you do get arrested and are charged with one of these ordinances, you don't really have uh, legal standing to pursue a a challenge to this law. So the case is bounced around um, in the state court system. Actually, was uh, there was a federal lawsuit that was moved to a state court because the federal court said, well, we don't have any jurisdiction over this. So, again, for almost five years now, this lawsuit has been bouncing around the Court of Appeals, going back down to the uh, trial court. Pennsylvania State Supreme Court got a hold of this case. And again, good news coming on Wednesday morning. In a 4-3 decision, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court said that firearms owners against crime and named individual plaintiffs do have legal standing to take on the Harrisburg City Gun Ordinances at issue are local laws with criminal penalties for discharging a gun outside of a gun range, possessing guns in parks, uh, failing to report lost or stolen firearms within two days, or unaccompanied children having firearms outside of their home. The majority opinion in the 4-3 decision said that plaintiffs do not have to wait until they are charged with violating the ordinances before challenging them on constitutional grounds. Uh, Kim Stolfer, 
who uh, heads up the Farm Owners Group, said that he expects the case now to return to a lower court where the underlying merits of their case will be decided. He said, quote, no citizen should face prosecution for exercising a constitutional right. And that is essentially what Harrisburg wanted us to go through to be qualified in this action to take on their illegal ordinances. Yeah, this is a game that the gun control lobby has been playing for some time now. We'll put these laws on the books. They be, I mean, they can be awful. But they're also going to be rarely, if ever, enforced. In fact, the police chief, one of the things that the state Supreme Court noted in this decision today is the police chief still can't say that the lost or stolen ordinance, for example, has ever been enforced. Now, the law being on the books, I believe, is a violation of Pennsylvania's fire and preemption law. But if you have to be burgled, and you have to have your gun stolen, and then you have to fail to report that to police before you can challenge this law, I mean, that's a pretty big burden to place on the victim of a crime, is it not? In his decision today, the Supreme Court, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court, said that uh, the uh, appellees, uh, those, those plaintiffs, firearms owners against crime and the individual gun owners who have sued, must choose whether to violate the challenged ordinances, surrender their constitutional and statutory rights, or avoid the city of Harrisburg. Like, those are their options, right? You can either face arrest, you can uh, abide by these uh, gun control laws that you believe are unconstitutional, or you can just not go to Harrisburg, PA. Well, one of these plaintiffs lives in Harrisburg. Another one works in Harrisburg. Kim Stolfer, the head of Firearms Owners Against Crime, travels to Harrisburg on a regular basis in his role as a Second Amendment advocate. So why should they have to leave the Pennsylvania State Capitol in order to exercise their constitutional rights? Didn't make much sense to majority on the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court either. Um, and they noted that previous decisions did require individuals to show standing, to show actual harm before they had standing to sue. Um, but there was actually a case called Robinson Township that the court decided a few years ago. It has nothing to do with the Second Amendment, but it has everything to do with when somebody can actually challenge a, a statute. Uh, and I don't know if the fact that this didn't have anything to do with guns made a difference in terms of the uh, the court's action, but the court basically said in Robinson Township no, you don't have to wait until you've suffered actual harm before you can challenge a a, a, a statute that's on the books. Uh, and now that decision, uh, that precedent that was set, applies here to the challenge of gun control laws. So not only is this going to impact, by the way, the challenge uh, against the city of Harrisburg's local gun control ordinances, but we've seen uh, local ordinances put on the books in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We've seen Philadelphia. Politicians also bemoan the state's fire and preemption law and try to enact their own local gun control laws. Uh, and this is, look, it's not going to put a complete stop to the attempts by these cities to enact their own local gun control laws. But what it does do is, again, provides an avenue for those laws to be challenged without the gun control lobby getting a freebie uh, because a, a court has said, well, until somebody's arrested and charged with violating one of these laws, there's no reason and no way to actually challenge their constitutionality. That dodge 
that that excuse that the gun control lobby has been so reliant on in the state of Pennsylvania in recent years, that's gone away. And that is very, very good news for gun owners. I do believe that uh, these Harrisburg ordinances violate the state's fire and preemption law. I believe that a lot of them violate the Second Amendment, but they certainly, in my opinion, violate the state's fire and preemption law, which again says it's up to the state legislature. That's the only body that can uh, determine the gun laws in the state of Pennsylvania because they want these gun laws to be uniform in nature. They don't want to have a situation where if you're, you know, driving through the state, you cross into Harrisburg on Interstate 81, and all of a sudden the gun laws change, and then a few miles down the road, boop, they change again, and then when you, you know, hit Hershey, boop, they change again, and then you go up and you hit Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, and boop, boop, the, the laws change. Instead of this patchwork quilt of gun control laws where you never really know what the actual laws on the books are as you're driving from locality to locality. Again, this is one clear standard, one clear statute. Uh, and gun owners might not like what that statute looks like at the state level. We might argue that uh, these statutes need to be revised or repealed. They need to be changed in some way, uh, shape, or form. But even a, I would argue, that a, a state-level firearms preemption law that keeps some mm, kind of sketchy gun laws on the books is still better than the absence of a firearm preemption law, which allows for dozens or hundreds of similar gun control bills to be put on the books at the local level. And it's obviously very difficult to challenge each and every one of those local laws in court, Right. So a statewide firearms preemption law at least provides that that uniform standard it does make it easier to uh, pursue challenges against unconstitutional laws, which is another reason why the gun control advocates hate it, because they want to make it as complicated and as difficult as possible for you to exercise your right to keep and bear arms. They want to put up as many barriers between you and your rights as they possibly can, and uh, scrapping firearms preemption is a really good way for them to do that, because then they can start throwing out all of these local laws and it's really difficult to find the funds, to find the attorneys, and to build those strong cases that can overturn each and every one of those local unconstitutional gun laws. But again, good news from the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court. Uh, this doesn't mean that uh, Harrisburg's uh, ordinances are automatically invalid, but at least now we get to have that argument. And the city can't duck that argument because they say that no gun owner has been arrested for violating their gun control laws. All right, let's move on to today's armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day uh, and our recidivist report. We're actually, we got a twofer. Our armed citizen story is also our recidivist report uh, from Iowa, Castleton, Iowa where a man killed in a shooting. Hang on, did I say Iowa? I did. Castleton, North Dakota. Let, let's reset. A uh, man who was killed in a uh, home break-in, uh, apparently well-known to police, but also well-known to the woman who lives inside of that house because she had taken out a restraining order against this individual just a week ago. Uh, Inforum.com reports that uh, Cass County Sheriff Jesse Johnner identified the man who was killed as 58-year-old Randall Ray Burton 
Uh, 54-year-old Edwin Charles Kester Jr. had called 911 to report that he shot Burton at the apartment. Uh, Again, this was on Monday. Burton allegedly broke into the home moments before Kester shot him with a revolver, according to the sheriff. The apartment belonged to a woman who shared an on-again, off-again relationship with Burton. According to court documents that detailed domestic violence and terrorizing charges against Burton that had occurred just days ago. Uh, the charges stemmed from a phone call last Thursday, about 1130, reports of a disturbance at that same residence. The woman told investigators that she and Burton were arguing about her owing him money for a water pump when he grabbed her and pinned her against the wall. He then allegedly forced her through a back door into the parking lot where he threw her on the ground, threatened to kill her. He also threatened to shoot a man who tried to intervene. Uh, the woman told investigators that she and Burton had been at a bar in West Fargo, North Dakota, when he allegedly suggested that he knew people who could kill her. Um, in addition to this most recent incident, uh, for, for which Burton was brought into court, charged with misdemeanor offenses, uh, Burton also has a criminal history involving violence. In May of last year, he was at a, uh, a bar in West Fargo and was confronted by staff and patrons after trying to kiss a woman who had rejected his advances. He was asked to leave. He refused to do so. A fight broke out. By the time police arrived, bar patrons had actually subdued Burton, but he resisted arrest until an officer threatened to use a stun gun on him. And then when he was inside the police car, he allegedly kicked the windows and bars, tried to spit on an officer, later threatened to sexually assault the officer's family while he was being taken to a hospital so medical staff could evaluate his intoxication level, as well as several minor scrapes and abrasions that he had received in the uh, scuffle when he refused to leave the bar. Burton also said that he would be, quote, hunting the families of police involved in his arrest before he threatened to kill the officers who arrested him. Burton ended up pleading guilty to terrorizing disorderly conduct and simple assault back in February of this year. No prison time. No jail time. Got a year of probation in that case. And in this most recent incident, he ended up pleading not guilty to the uh, misdemeanor domestic violence charge. He uh, did not enter a plea to the felony charge of terrorizing. He was also accused of. Uh, Bond was set at $10,000, but he was released from jail after he posted 10% cash, so 1000 bucks, and he's out the door. He did sign a restraining order that demanded he not have contact with a woman, but here's the thing. A protective order is not a suit of armor. A protective order is a piece of paper, and it offers exactly as much protection as you would think a piece of paper would. When somebody chooses to violate that order of protection, when somebody chooses to disregard their promise to stay away from somebody, a piece of paper doesn't do much good, unless after the fact it can be used Help take that individual into custody and charge them. But if that individual is intent on committing an act of violence, if that individual is intent on doing harm, the order of protection does not provide protection. And I believe that this woman knew that, which is why she apparently had asked Mr. Kester to stay with her because she was concerned that Mr. Burton was going to show up in the middle of the night. And that's exactly what happened. Burton was, uh, according to the sheriff, the woman had changed the locks, spent time with friends, noting that she feared Burton would come after her. Kester was at the apartment because the woman had asked him to be there so she could get some sleep. 
Sheriff Johnner said when this incident occurred, the female stated that she had friends over to the bar. She apparently lived there, same address as a bar. So that she would not be alone. But Burton allegedly broke through two doors around 2 a.m. Monday morning, headed straight towards her room, according to the sheriff. And that is when her friend shot and killed the uh, man with the restraining order. Inform says, other than a folding knife, no persons were found on Burton's person, or weapons, rather, were found on Burton's person. Uh, well, a folding knife would be enough to do some damage. In fact, fists and feet, as we know, are enough to take a human life. Uh, in addition, uh, Kester, again, violated that restraining order, wasn't supposed to be where he was, broke into the home to be there. So I'm guessing the investigation is going to show that Mr. Kester shot Mr. Burton, uh, if not in self-defense, in defense of others. Now, the investigation does continue, but um, the sheriff has said there's not enough evidence or probable cause to arrest Kester for a crime. He says it uh, seems that Kester was protecting the woman. Local prosecutor says he's not ruling out charges. I, I, again, I would be surprised unless there's something we haven't heard about uh, that I, uh, uh, you know, has yet to be released publicly. Um, I would be surprised if uh, charges are forthcoming against the individual who I believe acted to save the life of that woman. All right, let's uh, turn our attention now to our good deed of the day, which uh, comes from Knoxville, Tennessee, where a, a bystander to a car crash in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing to help a sheriff's deputy take an individual into custody uh, without being injured. Uh, this happened Monday. David McGaha ran his car off of the road Monday morning. And when an officer arrived as a, or identified as a Mitchell Tipton arrived, he saw uh, someone trying to help McGaha get out of his car. But he was struggling. McGaha would not respond to commands. He became upset after the officer then tried to help him get out of the vehicle. According to the report, the bystander and Deputy Tipton managed to get him out of his car. Me, all the while, McGaha is making threats to the officer, and then Magaha ends up punching the officer in the face. That's when a gun fell from Magaha's clothing, uh, and then he grabbed the deputy's handcuffs. So he's still scuffling and fighting with the deputy. The bystander then gets involved, uh, and the uh, pair able to handcuff Magaha, place him in a cruiser. Uh, Magaha reportedly kicked to the windows of the cruiser, uh, believed to be under the influence of uh, some intoxicant, at the time, I'm sure he's a very nice person uh, otherwise, but uh, who knows how this could have ended out uh, if it were not for the quick thinking and the uh, willingness to get involved on the part of that anonymous Good Samaritan uh, coming to the aid of uh, Deputy Mitchell Tipton there in Knox County, Tennessee. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But, of course, you don't need to wait until then. You can just go to BearingArms.com. You can find out everything you need to know uh, about your right to keep and bear arms and the threats that they're facing, but also the success stories that we are able to achieve through your activism, through your engagement, through your involvement. And we are, I think, putting the right to keep and bear arms on a more uh, a firmer 
ground uh, because of the actions of Second Amendment activists like yourself. So, again, I appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening, appreciate very much uh, all of your efforts to keep our rights strong and secure. Uh, don't forget, as I mentioned, check out BarryandArms.com. you like what you see, you can become a VIP subscriber. We certainly do appreciate your support. It allows us to do things like this every day. But we'd also like to say thank you for your support by giving you exclusive commentary, news stories, stuff you just won't find anywhere else. Uh, and you can get 25% off of your VIP membership. Just use the promo code GUNS and you'll get it. All right. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, be free. <laughs>